What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and opinions expressed are those of your host and your guest. This week, I'm going to be dropping a four-part series where my good friend Chris Stewart and I, uh, famous for episode five of the Fireground Fitness Podcast, if you want to know more about him, he and I talk about strategic decision-making on the fireground. And we break down the component parts. We talk about why it's important. And so specifically in the episode that you're listening to right now, uh, episode one, uh, we talk about what decision-making is, why it's important, and then we break down the steps that go into it. And this is followed by um, three other episodes that will be dropping this week. So tune in and enjoy. Hey, Stu, thanks so much for sitting down with me and going over one of the number one questions that I get um, is how do we make decisions on the fire ground in a time compressed fashion? And I think about this in all aspects of my life, right? Where I'm having to make decisions all the time. We're making decisions about all kinds of different things. And on the fire ground where there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of potential for uh, injury or death, decision-making is important. And so as a, as a young company officer who's coming up, or even as a firefighter, you have to make decisions at every juncture of your career and every juncture of an incident to be effective. And um, so I wanted to have kind of a, a multi-part series where we break down strategic decision-making, something that in our organization we've wrapped our arms around as, as a process. Um, and what's interesting to me, and, and I wanna, I'm super excited to hear your perspective on this, but I look at strategic decision-making and realize that these are things that are happening very fast. But when we talk about it, we're going to break it down into its component parts and talk about all these subtle things that take place in, in a nanosecond in your brain, but yet are built on years of experience. Yeah. So the funny part is, is when we talk about this or we teach this uh, to folks, is we it is it's all about a time, uh, making decisions in a time compressed manner yet we will break down the first 3 minutes of action at a house fire and talk about it for an hour and a half that's how uh, so that's how difficult and how much actually goes into it and that's why the practice should matter so the things that we're going to do or say uh, and and commit to on the fire ground should literally be happening in seconds. Um, but if we don't break it down into its smallest pieces and talk about it, we never truly understand what's going on. We don't understand the process. We don't understand the relationship of uh, um, you know uh, our understanding uh, to action, right? And and matching conditions uh, to the action, right? Because when we when we talk about people getting trouble on the fire ground or bad outcomes, is a lot of times it's action did not match the conditions. Well, strategic decision making gives us this standard process of going from decisions to risk to strategy then to action and and we can do this in this loop process that that really puts us in a better position to say yes our actions right now right in this second match the conditions and all those points in between uh, within the process so strategic decision making is a really important thing um, and there are people a lot smarter than me that can explain it um, from the, the true academic risk management perspective of why it's important, um, I can just simply talk about 
my experience and knowledge of using it on the fire ground and then and being being a, a teacher or an instructor of it and so i think it's a it's a worthy conversation i'm really happy to happy to have it wow i appreciate that this is uh it i think it's so important you know we want to make quality decisions so understanding the process by how we arrive there you know we have a tendency to look at uh sops and we want to follow them and it's very black and white if this then this if this then this but the reality is that there's so much subtle nuances on the fire ground and a lot of so many variables and we're going to dig into all that um that affect the way our decisions go and you know you hear people talk about building a slide tray or you know building a, a set of examples in your brain so that you can make effective decisions. And that is absolutely critical. Um, but understanding what goes into those decisions is really important. And I, I put down a couple of, of, of different types of decision-making models. One is the OODA loop and the other is the WHOOP. And um, what's funny to me about this, the OODA loop was born out of a fighter pilot. And I can't remember the name of the guy. And I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but broken down, it's observe, orient, decide and act and that is and it's true to our sdm that is this idea that we are going to repeat that behavior repeat over and over and over again as the incident is moving forward right you think about a fighter pilot who's moving very quickly and has very time compressed opportunity to make decision he has to observe and figure out what direction he's facing like literally orient himself to the earth and to the opponent and to his machine and then make a decision and he's got to act like that has to happen in a nanosecond. And in terms of, you know, the fire ground, you pull up on an incident and look out your windshield. Well, guess what? You have to figure out what's going on. You have to look at the situation, observe, you have to orient yourself to what's going on around you and make a decision and then act on it. And that's all based on exposure and experience that you've had in the past. Yeah. So I think we would, the fire service, the natural, direction to go with that as well experience will guide us well yes it can um but it's not all experience is great experience right and then is as important as experience is the skill and practice of a decision making process is really really important because it you train your brain to move through that process, whether it's the OODA loop or whether it's strategic decision-making. You train your brain to move through that process, and that's the standard bearer when when, when you take the next step or the next piece of information presents itself or, or you're moving on to the next benchmark. Um, that if we don't practice that with our brain, exercise it in our brain, um, very specifically and very elementary, uh, in an elementary way, um, when we get to the fire ground, there's one, you don't know how to use it, right? If you, your, your experience, it's not just the experience of what you see in the fire ground. It's the exercise of that. And when you, when you show up, if you show up on the fire ground with just experience and no exercise, you won't use it effectively. It will be more difficult. You will have to think harder. You will have to, uh, and there, and you're likely to miss steps and you're likely to put yourself in a position where, the conditions don't always match or the actions don't always match the conditions. So I think it's an important part of, you know, uh, the, the exercise. And and I don't want to say that, you know, it, it should be an academic process. Strategic decision making, much like the functions of command, are meant to be used on the fire ground. And so 
you and I could have a conversation about this for an hour and a half, but we need to make sure that our firefighters and our fire officers can use it in 15 seconds, repeatedly in 15 second bursts on the fire ground for real. And then that means at that pace, with that level of communication, with that level of understanding, because the game is going to be moving faster than people's brains in the beginning. Um, and, and the more you practice, the faster your brain will go and match the speed of an incident or the potential speed of an incident. So it's there's an interesting part of experience is highly, highly valuable. And I can't we can't give or, or, or give anybody experience. They can't buy experience. So you have to have that. But you still have to take that experience and apply it into a process that you exercise and practice regularly. So it's really funny to me. When I was taking my getting ready for the first captain's process that I was jumping into, I was preparing with a friend who was much, much more seasoned than I was. Had been on the job a lot longer and... Um, when we sat down and started working through tacticals, he would make decisions and, and, and line out things that I did not understand. And I'm like, how is it that you're, you know, so much more than me. Right. And so, and part of it was, well, I, he's, I, I understand how to arrive at these decisions. I understand why it's important to do certain things. And I just was operationally immature at that point in my, in my preparation. And so, but it really painted a picture for me about the difference in us as we are preparing in our careers, right? Some people get more sets and reps in real life and have had the opportunity to do tailports and really talk through what they experienced on the fire ground and connect that to a decision-making process because it's all well and good to go. Yeah, I stretched a hose line back here and squirted water here. And, but when you ask that person, well, tell me why you did that. That's why now you have to be able to unpack what is it that drove my decision making? What did I see? What did I smell? What did I feel? What did I what what impressed upon me to go a certain direction and do a certain thing? And for some seasoned vets are probably like, ah, it's just intuitive. And it is. It's become intuitive. But how did you get there? And um, I want to circle back or not circle back. I want to talk about something that we talked about before I hit record. We were touching on the um, NIOSH line of duty deaths. And you talked about how decision-making is brought into that. Yeah, so I, I think the perfect, the perfect discussion point right now is, is the, the, organ, the, the fire service, and specifically NIOSH, the folks who do the investigation of line-of-duty deaths and, and other things. I know that's not just what they do, but um, they have identified the value in a standardized critical thinking process that improves outcomes on the fire ground and decreases the opportunity for death and injury. And really that's what we're here for. That which what we should be striving for is to um, uh, you know, decrease the amount of errors and decrease the amount of injuries and decrease the amount of deaths, which hopefully in turn is improving our performance and our, our service delivery, I guess, if you will, to put it in Phoenix terms, right? And so um, they have clearly identified strategic decision-making as part of that process. Now, the, 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 the folks that work at, at NIOSH had a long-standing relationship with with our old fire chief Alan Brunacini and and working together not only on on the NIOSH uh, LODD reports but in um, 
in NFPA 1500 and NFPA 1710 on things that are working to prevent line of duty deaths. So they were very familiar with the functions of command and have become very familiar with strategic decision making, which was born out of that era of the, uh, within our organization. And so it became really important um, for NIOSH to be able to tell the American fire service or the world really, because the, the, the worldwide fire service pays attention to that. These are the things that need to happen on the fire ground in a consistent, regular manner. And this is the best system that we've found. It's not to say that it's the only system, but it is the best system at this point. And who knows, maybe, maybe it evolves and over time. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I would, it would be awesome to see in 20, 30 years what it looks like. Cause I'd be curious if you could actually make this any better, I don't know that you can, but I, I certainly could be wrong about that. But now they've identified that and they're professing that to the world when they're putting, literally putting that information in, in line of duty death reports, in the recommendation. So I think the first time it appears, you know, in a, in a true defined way is in, um, uh, the 2016 uh, line of duty death report from Delaware. Uh, I think it's recommendation nine, if I remember right. It, um, it, it shows it in there. So there's uh, that is that's been part of the Phoenix Fire Department process for a long, long time. It was it was was uh, done under the tutelage of our old fire chief, but that, then we had some really, really smart operations bosses at the time that refined it and defined it and 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 it came out of actually teaching and instructing uh there were, there needed to be something more than just the functions of command there's because that's a linear process and strategic decision making is this cyclical process if you as you move through an or as an incident it's over and over and over you're going through this over and over and over as as the incident goes through until till you've reached all three of the tactical objectives and um so there's a connection now to the prevention of, of, of loss of firefighters' lives to using a standard critical thinking system and model. Um, that's, pretty, that's pretty important. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, we couldn't, I, man, it, what, what a failure it would be if we ignored that, how, how important that actually is. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, over the years, I've heard the expression standard actions leads to standard outcomes. And so the way in which we approach a problem has to be methodical and uh, taking into consideration the variables that are pretty common, right? On You look at the, the list of fireground factors, and we'll talk about that later, but the fireground factors are, these are things that are happening on all the firegrounds in various degrees of, of occurrence, depending on the state of the fire, et cetera, right? So those factors are kind of consistent. And depending on the emergency that you're having, most of these variables are pretty consistent. So why would we not take a standardized approach to solving those problems? And if it's something that we can, if we can help people understand how to think through these problems, we're going to be more effective. And I think that's why NASH is leaning in on that because they're going, here's a model that speaks to what we're doing and allows us to uh, direct our actions in a way that is more meaningful and more effective and will help, you know, help firefighters stay uh, alive. Yeah. And you can actually explain it to other people. So what I'll say right. about the standard, the standard, you know, standard conditions, standard action, standard outcomes is standard doesn't mean slow. Standard doesn't mean non-aggressive. 
right? Or or whatever the opposite of aggressive is, timid, or what you know. The, we can look at the thesaurus for that, um, and it doesn't mean that we um, don't really have to get her after it when it's time to really get after it. And um, and that's the that I I. I you know, I get that feedback regularly. It's slow. It's not action oriented. It's a. That's all. That's all nonsense, right? It. It. One hundred percent is about. Is we're not going to make up new things on the fire ground. We are going to use a standard thinking process, right. and we're going to use fairly standard actions that are tried and true and safe and reasonable um, on the fire ground to make that happen. And it's scalable. So if you show up on, uh, you know the lumber section of Home Depot burning, like what happened not too long ago in San Jose, or you show up on Mrs. Smith's kitchen fire, you can do, it's the same, you're starting in the same place with the same exact process. And what is standard in each is standard in each. And, and, and they're, and they're both very, very common to one another. So uh, it's uh, that, I, I don't want people to think this is meant to slow anything down or this is, this is less effective um, I, I love the the uh, internet and social media tough guys, you know, uh, bad mouthing this process. Whether it's blue card, whether it's Phoenix policies, any of that other stuff, because uh, they just flat out don't have a clue what what that actually is and what it means. Well, yeah, I my submission here is that you need to be aggressive, but applied smartly. So it doesn't do violence of action un uh, un unwisely doled out is merely it's ineffective you have to apply your your uh aggressive behavior in the right way to make it meaningful so let's talk let's talk about what the the steps in strategic decision making are so the first thing you got to do is and we're going to break all these down so uh you size up the situation right Mm -hmm. you got to assess risk and figure out how you're going to manage the risk you have to make a determination on your strategy you have to develop an incident action plan you have to identify your objectives, your strategic objectives, your tactical objectives, and then you have to make a deployment decision, and then you got to reevaluate. And the um, the funny thing is, when they say all that, <laughs> I see why people go, "Wow, it's so slow." Because yeah. it's a lot. I got to do all that. <laughs> but so here's the beauty of it: shit's though. on fire. <laughs> you want me to do that? So here's what I love about this, and this is why I go, why I bring up the fact that I was uh, when I was uh, operationally immature. I like to say um, I was. This scared me because I'm like, I how am I supposed to go all through? This stuff happens in a snapshot. It is a it is a blink of an eye that we arrive at this. But in the fear of belaboring this point, we have to learn how to process this information. So that we can be that much faster on the fire ground. The more we understand it, the bit more effective we're going to be when it comes time to really put this into operation on the, in an emergency event. So, um, so we're going to spend the next little bit of time unpacking all these elements. So stay tuned. Hey, that's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The next episode dropping shortly will be specifically speaking to the size up. What are we looking at? What are the hazards we're assessing? And how are we assessing them? What are the variables involved? So tune in. It's a very, very important part of the conversation. And uh, hope you enjoy. Then go on out there and get some.